It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here at Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in. Today, we are talking about remembering and rejoicing in the Lord from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're just going to cover right into the beginning of chapter 12. Again, we're in a bit of a bridge segment here. We just wrapped up our study of Revelation just a few weeks ago, and uh, we've got some special guests coming up. So I know that uh, before we get into another study, which we're probably going to end up in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. So before we do that, I just want to encourage you with some some of our current studies of what we're doing at the church, 10 a.m. on Sundays at Calvary. Fellowship Fountain Valley. And and this week's message is based right out of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We are a verse-by-verse church, so here on the radio we try to summarize it a bit rather than giving it the time that we would on on a Sunday morning when we have a little more time together. So let me just try to summarize a little bit about this particular chapter and section because this is a powerful study here that I think, not think, I know you're going to be encouraged by. Let me me start off with this. I remember the day is still vivid in my mind. It was, it was a Saturday in 1992, a day again, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I, was, I just left my home. I was living in Conifer, Colorado at that time. It's near Evergreen. It's about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I was driving my 1967 Volkswagen Beetle. I know for those of you who, are, who love Volkswagen Beetles, boy, you would have loved this car. It was cherry. It was beautiful candy apple red, chromed out tires, completely restored on the inside. Beautiful car. And, and you know, I got to really understand the mechanics of an automobile working on that. It's the kind of engine you could just pull out and carry. It, it really, you know, build them quite like that. But this Volkswagen Beetle and I, you know, we would race around on these dirt roads. Uh, we lived on a dirt road, and one particular day I was in a bit of a hurry. And that's the you know, famous last words, right? I, I was taking my buddy back to his home down in Denver, and we were late. And in fact, we had a basketball game we were trying to catch. So here I'm going around this corner, going a little too fast. Well, sure enough, I hit a washboard and all this loose gravel that was under the car, and the car being a light car as is, we veered right off the road. I mean, it was like a slip and slide. And I remember just suddenly just my life flashing before my eyes. I mean, in that split second, I thought we, we were a goner. Uh, and and you just it's amazing how those thoughts can race through your mind so quickly as you're just white-knuckled to a steering wheel. And we go flying off the road, and I smashed into two trees. My beautiful 1967 Volkswagen Beetle is now wrecked. Uh, but what you probably don't understand in that scenario is the fact that those trees that I hit were the only trees protruding from the side of a cliff. I perfectly hit the only two trees that would have caught me. If I'd gone just a little bit before, right off the cliff. Uh, Pass them just a few feet, right off the cliff. And I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. And so it's in these moments where you, you suddenly have these... I don't know, really coming to terms with your life, where you start to see your life flash before your eyes and you realize just how frail, how fragile life is. And at a moment's notice, it could be gone. And so this particular section of Ecclesiastes chapter 11 really calls our attention to living while we are dying. 
And that's what Solomon urges us to do. Live while you are dying. Now, that may be a play off of the Tim McGraw song that you probably know well, Live Like You Were Dying. Well, I've chosen to actually focus on the biblical aspect here from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that all are appointed to die. So you don't have to live like you were dying because our body is actually dying at this very moment. Therefore, it's more accurate to say live while you are dying. So Solomon shares two exhortations that will enable us to do this. Number one is to rejoice while you can. Okay, that's imperative to understand. Rejoice while we can. So here we are, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. Let's just read the first part here. If you have your scripture, you can turn with me. I'm just going to read the first part of of verse 7 here, chapter 11. He says, truly, the light is sweet. Now, you could just graze right over that. You just read it, gloss over it, continue moving on. But this is a powerful statement to make. Truly, the light is sweet. Now, the light is often a synonym for life. And the word translated as sweet or pleasant is also used as a reference to honey. So, you know, immediately you could pull to mind here some thoughts. I I love peanut butter and honey on sandwiches. Uh, How about honey bunches of oats cereal or even honey in your coffee? Mmm, that just tastes so sweet. Just thinking about it. And then the point is that life is sweet and should be savored like honey. It's good to be alive. And despite all the adversities that we persevere through, why? Because we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And and life can be like a cup of coffee. It can be a little tough to swallow without that honey to sweeten the taste. And and there's only one thing that can make this life sweet, worth living. And, And that's Jesus Christ. He says the light is sweet. And he's not just talking about being alive under the sun, a term very familiar throughout the entire study of the book of Ecclesiastes of life under the sun, but rather to be alive in the S-O-N. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then part B of, of verse 7 here, chapter 11, it says, And it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. You see how he separated light from the sun. You see, the sun does emit this light, but it's not the light that is sweet to the human soul. So we often say things like, uh, what what a beautiful day it is, or uh, don't you just love these sunny days? And in context to what what he's saying here to these forthcoming verses that we'll read here in a moment, these are those kind of days that he's talking about where you just wake up and everything seems to work. You, You wake up five minutes before your alarm goes off. You can breathe through both nostrils. I know that's that's quite a feat here in Colorado. Your back isn't hurting. Your legs aren't hurting. Your relationships are working. It makes you just want to roll down the windows and, you know, scream out a big yes or like a James Brown impersonation. I feel good. But, you know, what he's telling us to do here is to embrace it. Rejoice while you can. As your eyes behold the sun, it's a pleasant thing. It's about an attitude, a perspective of life to rejoice in this, to rejoice and give glory to Almighty God with every breath that is in us. And I love when these summer months start to get a little longer and it feels like you have more time doesn't it? In fact, that's true because you get about six more hours of daylight during the summer solstice than you do during the winter solstice. That's right, six, almost six more hours. And when was the longest day this year? Well, it was Friday, June 21st. So it's like, wait a minute, we were just talking about how we were looking forward to all these days getting longer. And now you're telling me it was behind me? That's right. Now the days are getting shorter. 
And that's exactly what the point of this particular message is, is that our plans that we're making for tomorrow will soon be in the past. Man cannot stand the test of time on his own two legs. So we're to enjoy life as we can. He tells us here in verse 8, But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, let's pause there for a moment, you notice that the re- this three-letter word there, all, A-L-L, <laughs> if we live to be a ripe old age, we're to rejoice in all of our years. Even the 70s, 80s, and 90s, as we age, we need to learn to be thankful for every breath. If there's breath, then there is a purpose. And blessed is that man who enjoys the routine. Blessed is the woman who delights in the mundane, for they shall discover that God is in the details of life. Then the older we get, the more thankful and content we should become. Because God's gift of life should be enjoyed, not just endured, live while you're dying. Now, now before we get too excited with all this optimism, uh, we're about to find out here why Solomon isn't the guy you'd invite over for a Sunday barbecue. He moves from this life is sweet to rambling on about old age and death for the rest of his time. So it kind of feels a little bit like a killjoy. But if we're not convicted as we read the Bible, then quite frankly, something's missing. He goes on here in uh, part B of verse 8, he says, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. So he tells him here that we should live with gusto and enjoy life because we're to remember that the days of weaknesses and sicknesses are headed our way. We're not going to avoid it. It's not a matter of if, but when. They will be many, it says here. And that can feel a little bit depressing to hear. But, but that's a reality. In fact, as I was looking at some of the statistics on this, you'll be amazed to find out that the average person will get sick 200 times during their lifetime. And I thought, well, well where are the most sick people here in the United States? Feels like they're everywhere, right? Uh, Ohio actually has the most sick people, people with ailments and illnesses. New Orleans was a city that was rated with the most ill people. Now, chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, chronic lung diseases, stroke, and type 2 diabetes account for the most deaths in the U.S. outside of abortion. And these diseases are responsible for 7 in 10 deaths among Americans each year. Now, eight years ago, when they did a study on this, 171 million people here in these United States had at least one of these chronic diseases. And that number increases annually. Okay, that's more than half the population. So so life is too short to waste it. And Solomon indicates that our future is filled with brevity. He calls it vanity. With the word there is habel. It means brief, like a, like a breath, like a mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. So therefore he exhorts us to enjoy life as we're able right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. As it turns out, the golden years may actually be golden after all. In fact, recent research suggests that older Americans aren't the only happiest Americans, but they certainly are more socially active than many had expected. In fact, they're generally more content than younger Americans. The research found out that being happy increased by 5% for every 10 years of age. In fact, an 84-year-old retired nurse, she said, uh, well, contentment, as far as I'm concerned, comes with old age because you accept things the way they are. You know that nothing is perfect. Well, although aging is often looked down negatively in society, in fact, it seems like Hollywood and every magazine cover seems to perpetuate this idea that that youth is what it's all about, uh, age actually brings many benefits, including the greater likelihood of contentment. And, And Christians could look at aging as bringing one step closer to heaven and eternity with God. So don't be discouraged by old age. Rather, 
Be encouraged. In Job chapter 12, verse 12, we read, Wisdom is with aged men, and with length of days, understanding. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we read, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So with that, let me hopefully drive this point quite clearly here. It's critical for us to recognize that when it comes to years of life, it's a matter of quality over quantity. It's better to add life to your years than to add years to your life. So we need to live fully every single day. You know, in the movie Braveheart, there's a character, William Wallace, portrayed by Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson portrays this character and he says these powerful words, every man dies, but not every man really lives. And that's actually a rather biblical assessment of life. We all die, yet many of us miss out on this abundant life that God offers through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm not talking about, you know, just having treasures here on earth. I'm talking about finding true satisfaction and contentment as you serve the Lord. So we're to live while we're dying. Now, Solomon now transitions to young people. He wants to get their attention here. In verse 9, he says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Now, Solomon writes specifically here to young people, and he's commanding them to rejoice during their young life. Now, that doesn't mean to party hardy and to sow their wild oats. Rather, he's telling them to enjoy their life, but to remember that we must all stand before God and give an account for our lives. You see, reckless abandonment tends to go hand in glove with young people today, so these are a word of caution. We're to enjoy life, but remember the words of, of Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, his desires will become your desires. This means you don't have to find God's will. You just need to find God and spend time with him and in his word. You see, Augustine and Luther both said, love God and do whatever you please. And that seems, wait a minute, how can they say that? Well, if you truly love the Lord, then your ways will be His ways. And what pleases His heart pleases your heart. You see, Christians ought to have the most fun of anybody. But we should be pure and blameless before the Lord and our onlooking world because God will one day judge all of our actions. You know, the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw once said, Youth is such a wonderful thing. It's a shame to waste it on young people. <laughs> and Shaw was right. Young people are typically either driven to a fault or lazy to a fault. It's, it's rare to find balance in children, and consequently, it's, it's easy for young people to squander their life, their young life, and, and fail to rejoice during their formative years. So one of the most difficult issues, especially for young people, is to find contentment. It, it's easy to get caught up in growing too quickly, growing up too quickly. And in young people, it's easy to get obsessed with their physical appearance, their popularity, their athletics grades and entertainment, and then they fail to truly rejoice in the Lord and be content 
and what he has done. So we're commanded to rejoice during our childhood. So don't just look forward to the weekend and vacation and retirement. Enjoy it now. The Bible commands us to rejoice now as we can. Live while we're dying. In fact, Philippians 4, 4-7 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, Solomon continues to exhort these young people with these powerful words in verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 11. We read, Therefore remove sorrow from your heart, and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity, quickly fading. So, so young people, you're commanded to actively and intentionally remove any unnecessary sorrow. you got to quit being a worry wart. Guard yourself from being stressed out by school and sports and relationships. There's plenty of time to worry about all that stuff when you get older. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Worry is a sin. We're to avoid it at all times. Don't, don't develop a root of bitterness. If your parents have divorced, forgive them. If your best friend has gossiped about you, let it go. Don't, don't bring pain upon your body through alcohol, drugs, or sex. It's just not worth it. We're told to flee from these immoralities in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, and in verse 18. So don't even entertain those thoughts. Run from it. The evil from our flesh is spoken of frequently by the Apostle Paul. So I also have to wonder here if when he says put away evil from your flesh, it's within the context of putting away sorrow or stress, and therefore he has this exhortation even to stop complaining. If you want to avoid being an older, crabby person, then don't be a young, crabby person. So here he says the phrase, the youth... That literally refers to the blackness of hair as opposed to gray hair. So youth is fleeting, i.e. habel. It's like a breath. So we're to live for Christ now. So, so this vein of thought continues into chapter 12, into the first eight verses. I don't think we're going to cover it all here today. But if we just look at the, just the beginning of this, we're told right out of the gate of chapter 12 to serve God now. Don't wait so while chapter 11, 7 to 10 emphasizes the value of enjoying the present, chapter 12, verses 1 to 8 emphasizes the future time when there's struggle. So three times in this section, Solomon uses the word before. So his clarion call is for you and me to live to the fullest before that opportunity is gone. And we're not talking about just completing your bucket list of earthly pleasures, but doing as much as you can in faithful service before we no longer can contribute to this story. Now listen carefully. Life is not a stage. We're not merely actors. But there is a beginning and an end to this production, and we have a small part to play that we will never have again. So don't waste it. Here we are in verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. This verb of remember doesn't mean to jog one's memory. It's a command that involves a wholehearted commitment to love, serve, and fear God. We've got to live as stewards who give an account. And Solomon doesn't say remember God, but to remember your creator. And this reminds us of the one who gives everything, who, the one who creates all. 
even the one who gives wisdom and knowledge and joy, according to Ecclesiastes 2.26, and then the one who gives wealth and even possessions and even enables us to enjoy them, according to Ecclesiastes 5.19. So remember God daily, according to Psalm 119.55. Why? Because your proximity to the throne of grace, according to Hebrews 4, is the only thing that will carry you through those difficult days. Don't be that child that only calls on your Abba Father when you need something. You have to cultivate a sustained relationship with your Father. Now, here's the bottom line. When Christ comes and he says, remember me, you better get up and follow him. He might not ask a second time. Now, young people, again, talking to you, one of the worst moves you can make is to forget your creator in the days of your youth. This can lead to bad choices that forever affect your life. If you don't walk with God in your high school and college years, the choices you make that set the course of your life, including a spouse and a vocation, may be choices that lead to struggle because you didn't invite God into the equation. So if you don't believe me, then let's just read about Solomon. Because initially Solomon loved God. He was a son of David, the builder of the temple. He asked for wisdom above everything else. He got started off right, but eventually he refused to remember his creator in the days of his youth. And gradually over the course of time, he made compromises that resulted in disaster. He, he cultivated relationships with ungodly women, and those ungodly women led him into idolatry. And as a result, he was miserable. And he discovered it was all hebel. It was all a brevity. It was here today, gone tomorrow, all of vapor, vanity of vanities. But if you remember your creator in the days of your youth, you'll be set up for decades to come and into eternity. Now, you may be saying right now as you hear this, you may have thought, well, I've wasted my youth. Is there any hope for me? And the answer is yes. If you begin to remember the Lord today, don't waste another moment. If you go to Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 12, we read about Jacob, the brother of Esau, son of Isaac, he traveled about 70 miles, roughly three days, and Bethel is where he stops in, which is in the northern region of Jerusalem today, about 12 miles outside. And Bethel means the house of God. It's mentioned over 60 places in the scriptures, and this is where Jacob encounters God. If you remember the story, a ladder appears from heaven, and angels are going up and down, ascending and descending on it. And Jacob calls the place the gate of heaven. Now, uh, if if you're, you have some driving experience, and I know many of you listening right now may even be driving, you, you may have taken a wrong turn from time to time. I know I have, but unlike me, Jacob, I know, could read a map, and he had vowed to return to Bethel in Genesis chapter 28, 20 to 22, and God had to remind him of his vow in Genesis chapter 31. Now, it's interesting that in Genesis 35, 30 years had passed since Jacob had made that vow. And he was now living in an ungodly city known as Shechem, and it was only 30 miles away. So only 30 miles is what separated Jacob from fulfilling his vow to return to God. But it could have felt like more like a million miles away because Jacob's condition is a lot like, in this scenario, is a lot like what many Christians seem to go through today. Outwardly, we may appear to be walking close to the Lord, but inwardly, we have stopped short of wholehearted devotion to Him. And since every one of us will face times when we have strayed away from an intimate and obedient walk with God, Genesis 35 provides us a map to finding our way back home. You know, on the Trans-Alaskan Highway, there's a sign that says, choose your rut carefully, 
you'll be in it for the next 200 miles. So today, you must choose whether or not you're going to remain in your rut. God will give you a new lease on life if you say, I want to remember you. Of course, you can't turn back the hands of time, but you can begin to live while you're dying. And throughout the book of Jeremiah, the Lord is speaking to his people to return to him, telling them if they return, he will heal them and restore them. From Jeremiah chapter 3, chapter 7, 18, 25, and 35, it's not too late. And this same urgency is conveyed in Joel chapter 2, where there's an appeal to repentance, and in so doing, there is hope and restoration, a promise to restore even the years the locusts have eaten. And then he concludes with this great promise of Joel chapter 2, verse 32, and he says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, we're just getting started. We haven't even picked up verses 2 to 7, and we're already out of time for today. So I want to encourage you to tune in next time. Now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a special guest. Ryan Dobson is going to be with us, and Ryan is going to be sharing about his new ministry, Rebel Parenting. Ryan is the son of Dr. James Dobson, powerful ministry. He's going to be our special guest here on Engage in Truth. And then afterwards, we're going to pick right back up here in Ecclesiastes and then move throughout the rest of the study. I think you're going to be blessed by this study, and especially as we get into 1 Corinthians as well. I know you'll be encouraged by that as well. One of my favorite studies, especially as we're looking for instruction for the church today. I hope Engage in Truth is continuing to to bless you, to equip you, to raise you up in a depth and knowledge of the Word of God. If you are looking for a place to worship, please come visit us at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. You can go to calvaryfountain.com to learn more. Services are at 10 a.m. on Sundays. We would love to see you there and worship with you. And let me just remind you, this is Vacation Bible School season, and Vacation Bible School is forthcoming for us as well, just a few weeks away. So please check that out again at calvaryfountain.com. If you're looking for a great Vacation Bible School, you won't be disappointed. So I want to encourage you again, if you're looking for a place to fellowship, Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, we'd love to see you there. Services 10 a.m. on Sundays. Sundays. God bless you.